Well, good evening again. My name is Dave Furman. I serve as a senior pastor with Redeemer Church of Dubai. We just want to wish you a Merry Christmas. We're thankful that you have joined us this night. If you're new to us, I do want to let you know that we as a church gather together every Friday in this same hotel. We meet at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. for two identical services on the other side of the hotel. So you can choose one and attend this upcoming Friday. We have over 60 different nationalities that are a part of our church. And so whether you're from Lebanon or Kenya or India or Pakistan, Poland, Paris or Pretoria, you are most welcome uh, to join us. We also want to invite you to participate in one of our community groups. These are our small groups that meet uh, throughout the week to study the Bible, to eat and have fellowship together, to pray, and to care for one another. You can find information about our community groups and other elements of our church and events in that bulletin that you were handed on the way in this evening. Like most of you, I love Christmas. I love this time of year. It's a time to be reunited with family. It's a time to gather together with friends. And most importantly, it's a time to celebrate the most miraculous birth story in the history of the universe. Have you ever thought about this birth story? I mean, really, really thought about it. Christmas is mysterious. And I'll be honest, Christmas is a bit odd. I mean, think about it. There's a remarkable star, and there's a pregnant virgin. Now, that's not normally how this works. I mean, Mary was unmarried. And God put a baby in her womb. That's not normal. Angels appear in dreams, in person. They're flying in the skies, and they scare people. One angel, Gabriel, whom we heard from earlier, is sent by God to Mary with the news that she'll become pregnant with the coming Messiah. An unmarried woman in those days who was pregnant would face serious consequences. You'd be kind of shunned and left alone the rest of your life, and you might even be put to death for your sin. I mean, imagine Mary talking to her fiancé, Joseph, about this. I mean, hey, Joe, so you, you might want to sit down for this one. I'm having a baby. I mean, he's got to be freaking out in his mind when he hears that. And what shame he would have faced. They weren't married yet. And an angel comes to Joseph and says, well, yes, this baby is coming. You'll have to raise him. But, but here's the deal. You don't get to name him. Now, this was a big deal because a father had the right to name his son. His identity was wrapped up in this little boy. But here, God the Father says, no, no, I'm going to name my son. Not you, Joseph. Well, there's wise men. That sounds okay, but it's pagan astrology that leads them to the baby. And it's mysterious that they would come see this baby anyway. These influential men went a great long distance to come see this baby. A baby that they believed to be the newborn king. And they bring him very expensive presents and worship him. 
And there's the lowly shepherds who hear an angel choir tell them to visit a smelly and filthy stable in a little town called Bethlehem where nothing significant ever happened. And you have Herod the king. You saw earlier, he's angry. I mean, who's angry about a baby? I mean, babies are cute and cuddly. Babies make us smile. But King Herod felt threatened by this baby. He wanted him dead, and so he sent assassins on a manhunt for baby Jesus. And they killed all the boys two years and under in the surrounding regions, just to make sure, just to do whatever they could to kill this boy. To protect them, Joseph and Mary were commanded by an angel in a dream to run away to Egypt. Can you imagine? Christmas is mysterious. It's strange. There's no denying it. Christians shouldn't hide it. It's pretty obvious. But when telling a story, it's a good place to start in the beginning. It's impossible to start in the middle of a story and understand it fully. It's like starting the story of Cinderella there at the ball where she loses her glass slipper. Or looking at the book of Jonah and starting when Jonah was already in the belly of a whale. You have no idea what's going on. Maybe that's why we think Christmas seems a bit odd. We need to see the big picture, the whole story. Christmas is actually the middle of the story. All of history up until that birth of Jesus was pointing to that event. When God would send his eternally begotten son to become flesh and to dwell among us. Why Christmas? Because we need a savior. Our verse this evening in Matthew chapter 1 verse 21 tells us she, meaning Mary, will bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus was born to save. Jesus was born to save his people from their sins. We all need saving. As soon as God created the first two humans, Adam and Eve, they fell into sin, bringing all of their offspring down with them. From the moment of conception, you and I are born dead in our sin. We're separated from our Creator who is holy and beautiful beyond our imagination. God created us to enjoy fellowship with Him under His loving rule, but each and every one of us chooses to reject His love. We rebel against Him. All of us in this room can think of some specific sin that we even committed, even today. Maybe it was arrogance. Maybe greed. Maybe selfishness. But we need to know that on a most despicable level, our sin is that we want to be like God. We want to determine what's right and what's wrong. We want control over our lives. We even want God to conform to us. Our sin separates us from God. And as the Bible teaches, the wages of our sin, the payment of our sin is death and judgment. But there's hope. It's the hope of Christmas. 
Soon after Adam and Eve sinned, there's a glimpse of grace in Genesis chapter 3. In the very first pages of the Bible, right after they sinned, we see that Satan and sin will be defeated by a deliverer. That a rescuer would come. Later, God promises that a descendant of Abraham would come to save his people. And that promise was passed to his son Isaac and to his son Jacob and to his son Judah and so on. And along the way, the law was given as a grace to show the people of God how they were to live. But of course, everyone broke God's law. So animal sacrifices were given to them to atone for their sin. At this point, being a priest is more like being a butcher. You're helping to skin and to slaughter animals. Blood was everywhere. And it had to be bloody. That was the very point. It was a visual reminder to you that that blood represented the very life of the animal that died in your place. A living animal had to die for your sin. But these sacrifices never completely cleansed us. You had to do it over and over and over again. What they were is they were a great, big, huge neon sign that flashed over and over again, pointing to the final sacrifice that would one day come. The final deliverer that would put an end to sin. Then a series of judges would rise up and rule, but they failed to save. They only pointed to the greater judge who would come. And then the people demanded a king. They said, God, give us a king who would rule over us. But no king could ultimately deliver them. Not even the greatest king, King David. They just pointed to a greater king who had come. And then a series of prophets rose up, but they couldn't save. They just, again, pointed to the one who would save. And there are some very specific prophecies recorded in the Bible way before they were actually fulfilled. These were clues, reminders to the people that God would keep his promises. Micah, a prophet, he said that a rescuer would be born in the town of Bethlehem. And that's exactly where Jesus was born. The prophet Isaiah said that a savior wouldn't come in power, just like everybody expected, but he would come as a servant. He would be lowly and he would be despised. He would be opposed, oppressed, and rejected. And Jesus was. Zechariah said that one day Jesus would be betrayed for 30 shekels of silver and sent to death. Again, that's exactly what happened. All these prophecies pointed to a deliverer, what he's like, what he'll do, rescuing his people from their sins, recreating the world, judging evil. And bringing peace. But then there was silence. 400 years of complete and utter silence. All hope seemed to die. And then it happened. Jesus was born. And this is why Christmas is such a big deal, because finally, finally, finally the Deliverer had come. The one that they had been waiting for was born. And this baby would grow up to be a man. And this man, Jesus, would live a perfect life. He never sinned, not even once. And he would perform miracles to display and prove his divinity. On one occasion... 
There's a man named Lazarus who was dead. And Jesus, with his very word, spoke and Lazarus came to life. Jesus didn't just put on our clothes, but he put on our flesh. He knew what it meant to be tempted and suffer loss. He knew what it was like to cry tears and be betrayed. He felt physical pain. He was ignored by friends. And he even tasted death. He identified with us in every way. Many so-called deliverers have come. Rulers and kings, presidents and premiers have come and gone. Each time our home countries get a new leader, there's hope. We think to ourselves, this is it. All of our dreams will come true. This premier, this president will finally get it all together. But it never happens. Because no earthly ruler could do that. But Jesus wasn't merely an earthly ruler. He's Emmanuel. God is with us. Christmas is good news of God's story of salvation. Jesus was born to save us from our sins. Jesus was born to save his people from their sins. A deliverer has come who will conquer all things. Because in this deliverer, in Christ, death has died. Cancer demolished. Tears wiped dry. Fears erased. Persecution finished. Sadness quenched. Violence squashed. Depression done. Sin forgiven. Satan defeated. Hell conquered. Heaven purchased. And eternity with Jesus awaits his people. That's the meaning of Christmas. That's why we gather here tonight. Christmas is in the very middle of God's story of salvation, but there's more. See, it's just there in the middle. There's more. Jesus was born to die. Jesus took our punishment upon himself there on the cross. And after dying on the third day, he rose from the dead, proving that he was God, proving that the sacrifice was complete, proving that sins could be forgiven. And the story will one day end when Jesus comes back for his people and ushers in eternity. But only when believing in the message of Christmas does the story end well for us. This means that each of us has three ways we can respond. One, we can flat out reject Jesus. We can say, well, this story is nice. It's nice for you. But I'm going to continue to find my joy in the things of this world. A second way is to appreciate Jesus, to say he's a good teacher. He's a a moral leader who showed us the way. But to achieve heaven and to be right with God, we need to emulate Jesus and do a bunch of good works. And so, at the end of the day, if our good works outweigh our bad works, then hey, we'll make it. But in the Bible, in Hebrews chapter 9, it says that both of these ways just lead to death and judgment. We can never be good enough to get to God. A holy God means just one sin would keep us out of his presence. A third way is to acknowledge that you can't save yourself. It's to raise your hands and to say that I'm lost without Jesus. 
It's to repent of your sin and place your trust in Christ to save you. It's to trust in His work on the cross on our behalf. When we do this, God counts the righteousness of Christ as our own and He wipes away our sin. He forgives us. Friend, if you haven't chosen this third way to live, I encourage you to do it tonight. God has come to us, so go to Him now. Friend, it's not an accident that you're here tonight. Maybe a friend invited you or you just heard us here in the hotel. Come see Jesus. See Jesus in His Word, the Bible. Come see Jesus in His people, the church. Come and see Jesus. The details of the Christmas story are indeed a bit mysterious, aren't they? Even a bit strange. It's probably why we've invented parades, shopping marathons, and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. It's because when we get to the heart of what Christmas is about, us being sinners who need to be saved from the just wrath of God, we start to feel a little bit uncomfortable. Well, the real Christmas is certainly not a story that any human would have made up. We would have invented a God who simply kept the list of those who were naughty and those who were nice. And certainly all of us would have put ourselves on the nice list. Oh, friends, let this amazing, glorious truth wash over you tonight and every day that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. This is God's story of salvation, that Jesus was born to save his people from their sins. Come, let us adore him. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, we thank you for the birth of Jesus Christ. We thank you that God became man, fully God, fully man, to save us from our sins. We praise you for the life of the one who came to die for us. Would we dwell on this message in the coming days? Would the affections within us be encouraged as we meditate on the true meaning of Christmas? Would we give our lives away? Would we worship the risen King who has taken the punishment that was rightfully ours? Oh, Father, we love you and we thank you. In Christ's precious name we pray, amen.